everybody. Welcome to episode five of the Score Fantasy Football Live. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. I appreciate everybody tuning in today. We're back in the groove now. And I think for all the worries that we had coming into the season, and we're not out of the woods yet, it is definitely possible that later in the season, things get worse. But right now, it seems like a pretty normal fantasy season. I mean, it could get chaotic later on, but going into the year, I thought in the first few weeks, we were going to have tons of players missing time with COVID. That hasn't been the case so far. So we've been very lucky. Uh, Big thanks to the folks at the NFL and all the work that they've done to make this happen. I mean, under pretty difficult circumstances here. On today's show, I want to quickly touch on last night's game and all the mistakes that we made during that game. And don't lie, we were all in that one together. Um, Then I'm going to talk about the latest news, which is mainly going to be injuries. We've got a lot of those to discuss again. And we'll touch on some of the start-sit options. And then I'm going to round it out with your questions like we always do. So let's talk about that Thursday nighter. I mean, what is there to say about that Thursday nighter? If you look at this game going in, we found out that DJ Shark was going to be out a few hours before the game. Given the matchup against the Dolphins, I didn't think that was going to be a huge problem. And what we had seen from that Jags passing attack already this season and the way that Minshew was executing Jay Gruden's system, I thought they were going to be able to throw on the Dolphins. Didn't exactly turn out that way. I mean, when you look at my rankings before the game, I moved LaVisca Cheneau uh, up. I had him sort of around wide receiver 40. I moved him up uh, to wide receiver 33, I believe. Uh, Keelan Cole, I moved up into that wide receiver 39 range. I forget where I exactly landed on him. I thought those guys could be wide receiver three flex options in that game. They were not. Um, I thought Chris Connolly was going to be the one that was going to take advantage the most. And he had his opportunities. He dropped the ball on the sidelines early in the game. Uh, Gardner Mitchell missed him on a deep throw that would have been a touchdown. And Connolly was wide open in the second half for that. So there were some opportunities there, but really that Jags passing attack, I don't know if it was the short week. I don't know if the Dolphins were more prepared, but they didn't have that confidence and that swagger that they had in the two other games, even when they went down early because they they went behind early in those other games as well, but they were able to fight back. Not in this one. I mean, Minshew missed a bunch of throws, wasn't able to get anything done. And he had played like a low end QB one through the first two games. The Dolphins defense had given up huge days to Cam Newton. And I mean, the week before Josh Allen threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns on them. So it was very, very disappointing from that standpoint. Um, It leaves us in a situation where we can't really trust this passing attack. Maybe when Shark gets back, we'll be able to get that confidence back. But right now, uh, I'm not feeling that great about the Jags passing attack. Their running game, though, I mean, that was the lone bright spot in this one. To have James Robinson go from an undrafted free agent to the starter to 129 yards from scrimmage, six catches, and two touchdowns in prime time, if he is doing this in a losing effort, we can really feel confident now about this guy as an every week starter. Some people are trying to call him a league winner. I don't know. I know in the preseason, I had talked about how a friend of mine had picked him in the seventh round, and I thought that was a little crazy and a little early. It turns out that was great value. 
Uh, you can look at Robinson now as a running back to the rest of the way for fantasy. Just fantastic to see for him. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I mean, not much to talk about. Really, again, it's just the running back. Miles Gaskin playing very well, um, getting a lot of opportunity there, but not really as productive as James Robinson right now. I mean, he had 22 rushes, but only for 66 yards. Had 29 yards on five receptions as well. But that offense, I know the Dolphins played well last night, but the problem is when they get in scoring position, they start to use Jordan Howard at the goal line. Jordan Howard had a touchdown again last night. This is a guy who is going to have three carries in a game for like one yard, but he might end up with the score there. Matt Breda still working in as well. So that's the problem for Gaskin, and it really keeps him as more of a running back three and a guy that just doesn't have that very high ceiling because uh, this should have been a good matchup for him. And as much as he got some yards up there, it's just not going to have that touchdown ceiling for him. Elsewhere on that Dolphins offense, uh, Devontae Parker's looking healthy. He's playing pretty well. Uh, Preston Williams caught a touchdown, but he's still coming back from that torn ACL. You can tell he just doesn't have his legs under him yet. Uh, Mike Gusecki caught a touchdown. He didn't really do that much in the game, which was kind of strange, but it was a beautiful touchdown that he caught there. Um, so really not that much to talk about for the Dolphins. Overall, it was kind of a, a letdown this game. Unless you're a James Robinson uh, fantasy manager, uh, I don't think that you were very happy uh, with that game. Fitzpatrick obviously put up some yards, but outside of DFS or two QB super flex leagues, you weren't going to play Fitzpatrick. Uh, I don't care how bold you were. You weren't going to play Fitzpatrick in your redraft leagues at all. So that's enough of that. I don't want to relive that game anymore here. I want to move on and I want to talk about the latest news. And again, for the third straight week, it's mostly going to be these wide receiver injuries that we got to go through. First up here, Devontae Adams. Now, I talked about this on Monday's episode of the podcast when we were recapping all the injuries, but last week he had limited snaps. And we thought, I thought, that was because the Packers were controlling that game. So if he did get a little hamstring tweak there, they played it safe. They pulled him out in the second half. And that's kind of what they said early in the week. However, now he hasn't practiced Wednesday or Thursday. So where does that leave us? We'll see what his practice participation is today on Friday. I haven't seen it yet. I've been kind of running around all morning here. We'll see where he's at there. I still think there's a chance that he could play. I know Ian Rappaport is out there saying that it's kind of doubtful, but we don't know if that's a source or if he's just saying that because he's reading tea leaves at this point. And right now, if you had to say, as much as I want to look at it 50 50, I'm trying to be optimistic, it's 50 50 with the side towards doubtful. So maybe a little, maybe 55 45 uh, that he isn't going to play. The problem is he plays Sunday night. So you need another option for that game. Um, and I would be fine playing either of his teammates. I mean, whether he plays or not at this point, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard are kind of in that wide receiver three flex conversation. Uh, they'd get a little bump if he was out, but even if Adams plays at this point, and this is the problem, we saw Mike Evans with a hamstring injury in week one go up against the Saints and Marshawn Lattimore, which is a tough matchup, and I know he caught a touchdown late, but he really didn't do much in that game. So that's another thing that makes this difficult for Adams, that even if he does get back for this one, it's not the easiest of matchups. So you have to keep that in mind as well. Julio Jones, who always seems to be banged up, but always seems to play through it. This time, I'm not so sure. And right now we're looking at him. They're calling him a game time decision. 
He had that weird quote last week after the game where he said that he wasn't able to run the way that he wanted to run because of the hamstring injury. And that's not something that Julio would normally say. So that was a little worrisome. And then he hasn't practiced yet this week either. Uh, So we'll see what his Friday practice participation is. But I have some legit concerns that Julio is not going to be out there on Sunday. Calvin Ridley cannot get much higher in my rankings. He's already a top five receiver this week. So he'll be right up there if Julio's out. Uh, Russell Gage uh, will move into that wide receiver three territory. He started the season really strong, just playing as the third option in that passing game. And then Hayden Hurst would be locked in as a, a low end tight end one for fantasy. So you could look at him uh, this week as well. But this, we're going to have to monitor it right until kickoff, unfortunately, when it's a game time decision like this. And a guy that we always seem to watch him play through these injuries. I'm just saying, my gut feeling right now is I don't know if he's going to go this week, but hopefully we'll get a Schefter update Saturday night, Sunday morning, and we'll know more there. A few others. I want to try to go quick through these. Uh, Michael Thomas. I can't imagine that he plays this week. The smart move of the high ankle sprain is to hold him out for a few weeks, um, let him recover. Right now, this would be week two of his recovery. So I would make plans not to have him in this one and maybe for another week or two longer there. Some positive news, though. Kenny Galladay is on track to get back in the lineup this week. So he's going to step back into kind of like Devonta Adams thing. He's going to step into a difficult matchup with Patrick Peterson and the Cardinals. So I'm ranking him right now as a wide receiver two this week. Normally, if he was healthy and all systems go, He would be a wide receiver one of my rankings, but right now we're looking at him as a wide receiver two. Hopefully he can come out of this game healthy because that's another thing you got to remember, especially with these soft tissue injuries, these guys that are a heightened risk of re-injury in these games. We've seen that happen before as well. So we want to see Galladay come back, play well, but we also want to see him get out of this game healthy. Uh, Sammy Watkins, he's in the concussion protocol. We'll see if he can get cleared for the game. But if not, Miko Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, they're going to get up into that flex conversation, maybe more. Not the best matchup for them either going against the Ravens, but there's a chance we could see a shootout in that game. So it'll be hard to keep them on your bench if Watkins is out. Uh, this one's a little bit different. Alshon Jeffrey. Now, he got back to practice this week, and that's great. He's not going to play in this game, but I think there's a sneaky move you can make here. If you have an open IR spot, Go pick him up, toss him on the IR, and we'll see what happens in the next week, two weeks here. He might be back next week, the week after, and he could be sitting on your IR. And even if he doesn't play next week, let's say, I will guarantee that as more people find out about this Jeffrey news, that he's been back at practice, that he's getting closer to returning, his trade value is going to go up. So maybe you could move him next week for something at that point. Right now, I'm still pretty pessimistic about what he could do for fantasy, but there's still been a lot of injuries in that Eagles pass catching core. So maybe Jeffrey comes back and can be that red zone guy for them again. Maybe he puts something up, but really that would be my move. Stash him on IR and then try to move him next week when he's coming back. Outside of the receivers, George Kittle, uh, he's saying all the right things. This guy's so, so tough. He wants to play, but I don't know why the 49ers would do that. I think they got another winnable game here. They beat the Jets last week. Now they're going up against the Giants. They can take this one home without Kittle. I don't think there's a reason to put him back out on that field that they're already kind of worried about. Why risk him getting hurt? Sit him out for this game. We saw Jordan Reed play well last week. The problem here, if Kittle's in the lineup, it's going to be tough to keep him out of your lineup. So 
I would be looking at this one where I would want him out. And I would really, if he's out, Jordan Reed becomes a tight end one again. He put up that big game last week, uh, 50 yards, uh, two touchdowns. So he could have another big one in this game. And I really want to see Kittle sit. Do not put him out there. I don't want to find out on Sunday that Kittle's getting re-injured and now he's going to miss four, five, six weeks or something like that. Let's keep him out, 49ers. Uh, Josh Jacobs. So Jacobs got hurt uh, in the Monday nighter. The trainers were working on him. We all saw that on the sidelines. His teammate, Darren Waller, also got hurt. Both these guys finished the game, though, and now they have a practice Wednesday, Thursday. Another one we're going to have to watch for the Friday practice participation. But right now, I kind of feel like from what we've seen from the Raiders in the past, this is going to be a situation where they're just giving these guys as much rest as possible on a short week, and we'll see them come back to maybe a limited practice today. And then we'll get them out there in the game this weekend. Maybe that's me being optimistic. Uh, If Waller's out, there's not really somebody to pivot to. You're not going to go with uh, Jason Witten or Foster Moreau at this point. Um, And if Jacobs is out, you could stash Devontae Booker and try him in your lineup. But I wouldn't feel great about any of the options that they have there at all. Zach Moss, this one was kind of interesting. We knew he hadn't practiced. Then word came down from Sean McDermott this morning that both Moss and his teammate Dawson Knox, the tight end, are going to be out this week. Dawson Knox hasn't really got into the the fantasy conversation, even as a streamer yet. But Moss, this is interesting now because this pushes Devin Singletary. Yes, TJ Yeldon is going to play in this game. He will pick up some snaps. He will get some touches. But Singletary now moves in to that RB2 mix, top 20 option this week, and you can feel pretty good about playing him in this game. Uh, I want to move on to the start-sit section now here, and I do this every week. You can find my start-sit stash quit column on the score. It goes up every Friday. But for today's live show, I just want to mention a couple of guys. We'll talk about a couple of starts, a couple of sits. If you want to check out the rest, you can go to the column and read them all there. Uh, For starts, I talked about this one a bit on Wednesday's show. Um, and I actually went through with it and did it. I moved Deontay Johnson above Juju Smith-Schuster in my rankings for week three. I already had Deontay above him in my rest of season rankings, but the time had come. The more that I looked at the numbers surrounding these two guys, the harder it became to not have Deontay Johnson above him. Now, that was before we also got a little note after that episode that Juju Smith-Schuster had missed Wednesday and Thursday's practices. He seems very confident on social media that he's going to play this week, though. So it's not the injury that's causing this to happen. That's just an addition to it all. But right now, we're looking at the Steelers passing attack. And Deontay Johnson, he's the number one wideout in that offense. I mean, he leads the team in targets, in receptions, in receiving yards, and in air yards by a very wide margin already. So the connection with Ben Roethlisberger is only going to get better. Because if you think back, Deontay Johnson missed time in training camp. So they're still trying to get on the same page. Right now, Deontay Johnson is a top 15 wide out for me. I think he's got a shot to finish the season as a wide receiver one in fantasy. Another guy who came up on Wednesday show, actually, uh, David Montgomery. I have him as a start this week. I want to mention a few more things surrounding him though, because I know we were going long on Wednesday show. So I I tried to wrap it up quick and I just went through uh, my guys that I thought were being overlooked. I kind of went through them very quickly, but Montgomery is getting healthier. His snaps are on the rise. He's coming off this game with 127 yards from scrimmage and three catches last week. And he got six targets on the year already. So he is on pace 
to get a much bigger role in the receiving game this season. And that's all that is going to take for him to move up into that top 20, maybe even top 15 at this point. Now we need the Bears offense to get on track and to keep producing and give him some positive game scripts. But that's what we wanted to see. We wanted to see him get a bigger role in the passing game, and that is happening. And now he's going up against the Falcons, who have this history of giving up receptions to backs. I mean, already this year, they gave up six catches to Chris Carson in week one. They gave up six catches to Ezekiel Elliott last week. So Montgomery, a top 20 play, and I'm feeling very confident about that one. Uh, For Sitz, David Johnson, I know he's getting the volume. But these matchups, they've been brutal for him. They've been brutal for the Texans. The Ravens last week, now he gets the Steelers in this game. So I am not feeling good about him as a fringe RB2. I hope you have a better option because really he's going to need a touchdown to pay off in this game. Better days are coming though. And I think that's why some of these Texans assets, you can go try to trade low for them right now, especially going in to this game against the Steelers when people aren't going to be very excited to play them in their lineup go and trade for these guys because there are better matchups on the horizon. Just a nightmare start. The Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers through the first three weeks. Doesn't get much tougher than that. I'm also sitting AJ Green. And this is one that might be a little risky because I know he is leading the league in air yards right now. So a lot of people are predicting a very big game from him either this week or at some point soon. And maybe it is going to come. Maybe the volume will win out at some point. It normally does. But I think there's more here because right now, Green is the wide receiver 63 in fantasy. And with all the opportunity that he's getting, he's still struggling. I think that's because he's not the same player. I think that's the issue here. This is a guy who was injured for a year and a half, and now he's back. He's 32 years old, and he's not able to get the same kind of separation. And he's not winning as many of these contested catches anymore. So I don't think that he's a guy who should be guaranteed to be in your lineup right now. The way I'm treating it is... I'm taking him to my bench and I'm just letting this play out. If I can trade him for something, I would do that. But really, I think the best approach is throw him on your bench and let's see him prove it before we get him into our lineups. I'm a little worried, though, that he's washed at this point. So, yeah, I mentioned before the start sit uh, stash quick column. You can go check out the rest of those guys uh, there. I'm not going to go over all of them, um, but I want to move on because we're already into this pretty deep. Got a lot of other stuff to do. Got to keep those rankings up to date. So let's hit this Q&A section like we always do. Let's see what you guys got for me this week. At D Cassia. I hope I pronounced that right. Sorry if I didn't. Justin, great job. I'm pulling out my hair this week and I'm already bald. <laughs> nice. Uh, PPR league and I'm torn between who to put in my flex. Mixon or A-Rob. Already starting Jacobs, Taylor, uh, and Ridley and DK. By the way, Russell is my quarterback. That's a close one. I'm going A-Rob here just because I like his matchup against the Falcons secondary. Falcons secondary is not very good. Uh, They don't have much back there. And compared to Mixon, who's going up against a tough Eagles front, and we've already seen the issues with Mixon that Gio Bernard's still getting involved quite a bit. And I'm worried that that Bengals line, which is not very good, they're going to struggle against that Eagles line. So slight edge to Robinson. At Biggie Perms, is Josh Allen and his love of the deep ball, does that lead to more upside this year than Lamar Jackson? The Ravens are the most run-happy team in football so far, and in my league, QBs get bonus points for 40, 50, and 60-yard touchdowns. Also, five points for passing touchdowns. 
Would you trade Lamar for Dalvin Cook and Deontay Johnson? Listen, we already knew that Josh Allen had this kind of upside, so I don't think that's surprising. But I also think we need to use that Jaguars performance as maybe a bit of a reminder that it's only been two weeks, so we shouldn't overreact. Yes, Josh Allen is putting it together. He's getting better. He continues to improve each season. That is great. I think he's a top five fantasy quarterback right now. But let's not overreact and, and ship Lamar Jackson off just because the first two weeks they've been running the ball a lot. They've had matchups where they've really dominated those games. So they've been able to run the ball quite a bit there. So right now I'm looking at this one and I'm saying I would make that deal. If this is a single quarterback league, I would make that deal just because of what you're getting in return. And I, like I said, Josh Allen is a top five quarterback. And if you can get that for Lamar in a single quarterback league and get Cook and Deontay Johnson back, that's a great return regardless. And I don't think you're going to get that for Josh Allen. So I would be willing to make that deal. But just make sure, because if this is a two quarterback or a super flex league, then I'm not willing to make that trade. It uh, really depends on your roster for a lot of those, though. At JSemi1, trade Ridley and Mike Davis for DeAndre Hopkins. Got Kyler Murray at quarterback, PPR league. Yeah, Mike Davis is not that valuable. As much as he's somebody that you want to grab off the waiver wire, a guy that you could plug and play for maybe the next three, four weeks here, depending how long Christian McCaffrey's out. Uh, he could have some good games, but long-term, if you're looking to build for the playoffs, if you're confident in your roster, you want to keep looking ahead and acquiring the best possible pieces. And I don't think with Davis, you picked him up. You probably, if you're talking about trading him, you're not really going to need him in your lineup this week. So at that point, you're trading him away and he's not that much value to you. So then you're upgrading to get Hopkins, who really right now is probably the number one fantasy wide receiver. At Swan underscore NYI. Thanks for the great work you do, Justin. Love your work. Appreciate that. Uh, James Robinson is my RB4 in one of my leagues. I also have uh, Taylor, Drake, Mixon, Gibson, and Kelly. So you're very stacked at running back. Uh, going to trade high, what are some wide receivers you would consider fair return? I've said this before, but I think that's the wrong way to approach a trade. I think what you should do is you should look at the other rosters in your league find somebody who is desperate at running back. And if you have all those running backs, there is definitely going to be a team out there that is running back needy. So find that team. That's how you maximize the value you're going to get in return in a trade. Find the teams that need a running back, go look at their rosters, what they could potentially give up and try to craft a trade that way. If you want specific examples, you can go look at my trade value chart, which comes out every Wednesday at Schmidt show Four. Justin, love the podcast and the articles, man. Thanks. Uh, at this point, what players that are 50 plus percent rostered can be safely dropped? Hashtag Bills Mafia. Nice. Um, that is a good question. All right. I made a very quick list here, though. I had to look this one up just to make sure on uh, where how many uh, leagues these guys were rostered in. At quarterback, it's tough to say. I mean, somebody like Jared Goff, you could drop for a better streamer. But at quarterback, because we're streaming, I'm kind of going to leave them out of the conversation. I would also say don't discount Drew Brees as being a guy that you might even want to drop if you can get a better option on the waiver wire. But let's look at the other positions here. At running back real quick, Philip Lindsay, Jordan Howard, uh, Tariq Cohen. I would let all those guys go. I know I talked about Howard scoring the touchdown earlier, but he's not going to get that many opportunities. You can't just bank on a guy falling into the end zone every week. So I'm fine dropping them. At receiver, Christian Kirk, he's hurt. They're also spreading the ball around. And really, once DeAndre Hopkins got there, 
it was going to be a lot harder for Kirk to have a breakout this season. And we're seeing that they're not trying to feature him at all. They're really just spreading the ball out to everybody behind Hopkins. Uh, Jalen Rieger, he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. So you can let him go. That's unfortunate because he had a lot of upside going into the season at tight end. I talked about this and start sit stash quit. I'm spoiling one of the quits here, but Gronk is one of the guys he's rostered in like 65% of league still. And Bruce Arians already came out and just admitted, we're not going to try to get him the ball. He's more of a blocker on that team. So don't worry about dropping him, even though the name value is there. I know uh, Austin Hooper is another guy who at this point uh, you could let go as well. Um, at Phil Pack, is Miles Sanders a top 12 running back rest of season? How about Kenyon Drake, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon? Uh, Sanders is definitely a top 12 running back the rest of the season. Uh, Kenyon Drake, uh, Mixon, I would say all three of those guys fall into that range. Joe Mixon is really the only one on that list that I'm a little bit worried about. Um, and that has to do with the offensive line issues that they had there. And Bernard, I kind of touched on some of that earlier. Uh, that's my concern there uh, with Mixon. At 4EST underscore Cali, should I start Wentz or Tannehill this week? Also, is it worth holding on to Wentz for his week seven schedule and then on? Or have you seen enough to drop him after Cincy? I'm going to go with Wentz. They both have great matchups, but I see the Bengals doing for Wentz what the Bengals did for Baker Mayfield last week, that he can have this get right game uh, against them. Tannehill also has a great matchup. I don't want to discount that, but I would go with Wentz and I'm definitely holding on to him. It's a very uh, tough start to the year with all the injuries on that offensive line. So that was really what led to him having some bad games. I think it's going to get better from here on out for him. At Linder, the liner. So far, James Robinson is the waiver wire MVP. Do you see anybody out there in the majority of leagues that has the potential to take that crown from him and be a league winner that people might be sleeping on? I know it's a tough question to answer, but I would love your take. Thanks. I know it's early, but I don't see anybody taking that from him. If everything remains the same, we know injuries for running backs, all that factors in. If everything remains the same right now, uh, even if there are some injuries at running back, because guys like Alexander Madison and Chase Edmonds, who could do it, they're already rostered in most leagues. So it would have to be somebody like Brian Hill, or it would have to be one of the backups on the Chiefs who would step up if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire got hurt and get opportunity. Um, but no, right now it looks like Robinson is a very solid RB2 and even gaining momentum with the pass catching work that he's getting here. So right now he takes that crown. At H Douglas Auto, is it okay to drop Pollard to take a flyer on someone else, even if you have Elliot? I mean, that's fine. Uh, Pollard does have some value though. So I might try to trade him as part of a package, try to do like a two for one deal and see if anyone out there is interested in getting him on their roster. It wouldn't get you much more, but it would be an addition on a trade. Um, so that would be the situation there. I mean, normally when I'm going after these backup running backs, I'm trying to get a guy on another team. And that's because you might end up, if everything falls your way, you might actually end up with two starting running backs as opposed to just hedging and having the one if your first guy goes down. So that's normally my approach. And maybe that seems like what you're trying to get to now. So yeah, if you got to drop Pollard, it depends who you're picking up, but yeah, I'd be okay doing that. At Gabriel Haydu 33 Hi, Justin, big fan of your work from Israel here. Right on. Uh, how long is it worth holding on to DeAndre Swift? Will he be startable at one point this season? 
hard to trust his coach. Thanks. It's definitely hard to trust his coach. Uh, that part you are 100% right on. I wouldn't drop Swift. And I've talked about this before. Not all these rookies are going to come out of the gate. We've gotten lucky with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and with Jonathan Taylor that these guys were able to come out of the gate and, and blow up almost right away. Uh, not all the rookies are going to do that. Some of these guys are going to take time, especially somebody like Swift who got hurt in, in training camp. And now he's behind the learning curve. So it might take him a few more weeks here, but the way they're using him, he's already usable in PPR leagues, I would say. I mean, he's on that you know RB3 flex kind of range uh, based on he's getting most of the passing down work uh, and he's getting a lot of snaps. He's leading them in snaps in that backfield. So uh, I think you got to hold on to him and see what happens. And in the second half of the year, he'll definitely be somebody that you'll be able to start at that point. At Meza Ball. What do you think of DeAndre Swift's value going forward? So similar question here. Is he worth rostering? Uh, same question about Tyrod Taylor as a QB3 in a 2QB league. So same answer on Swift. Uh, he's an RB3 right now and has a chance to get into that RB2 conversation as we move forward. Uh, for Tyrod, I mean, I would just be stunned. I know that Anthony Lynn is loyal to him and that he's been saying that when Tyrod's healthy, he's the starter there, but I would be stunned. You never see a first round rookie quarterback come in and play the way that Justin Herbert did last week. You don't see them come in and then go back to the bench. Even if he falters for a game or two, it would be stunning for them to go back to Tyrod. Now, if they're worried about a lawsuit or something because of what happened with the punctured lung Maybe that encourages them to give Tyrod the starting job back initially, um, but that's that's fiction. I mean, I'm just that's total conspiracy theory kind of stuff. I don't actually think that's what's going to happen. I think Herbert's the starter there, and I think he's going to stay the starter there moving forward. So yeah, I would drop Tyrod even in a a two QB league. At the Kim, un, or sorry, at the underscore Kim underscore show. Why is Gardner Minshew breaking my heart tonight? He broke all of our hearts this week, so you're you're not alone there. I don't really know what to say about it other than that. I guess, like people were saying last night, uh, the beard beat the mustache, right? That's all we can really say. Uh, at FFJunkie underscore, after two weeks, how does that giant swath of maybe he breaks out tight ends look? Anyone showing out that is the real deal? I actually really like this question. And so I went through all these guys. I tried to remember who they all were. Uh, let's take a quick look here. So Blake Jarwin got hurt. So he's out of the conversation. Dalton Schultz maybe could give us 70, 80%. I know he gave us even more than that last week, but I don't think he's going to keep that up, but maybe he can give us 70, 80%. Mike Gusecki, Jonu Smith, Noah Fant, um, and TJ Hawkinson, really all those guys have paid off so far. Um, looks really good for them. Now, they kind of benefited from some receivers being hurt on their team, so that allowed them to get a little more work so far. But I feel pretty good about those guys staying in that low end tight end one range. Uh, maybe, you know, that fringe tight end one, tight end two uh, range there. Fant has a really good shot here. I know he has some tough matchups, but we saw him produce against the Steelers last week. And I know the quarterback situation is kind of up in the air, but it was Dr Jeff Driscoll who came in last week and actually helped Fant get it done. Uh, the thing with him and what we're always looking for is a tight end who could be the one or the two option in a passing game. And right now with Cortland Sutton getting hurt, uh, fans looking pretty good there, but all those guys I really like um, Hayden Hurst. He's a low end tight end one really like him. Still uh, Logan Thomas is on that fringe. He's getting a ton of volume. So really that leaves Chris Herndon 
who is a no. We're staying away from that Jets offense. Um, and the real losers so far, and I had them ranked a little further behind that other group before the season, uh, Herb Smith and Ian Thomas. Those guys, they're just not getting it done right now. I mean, I feel more confident in Herb Smith down the road, eventually getting the opportunity and coming through, but right now, just not getting enough opportunity. So overall, really happy with those performances. And uh, if you have one of those guys, you're probably feeling pretty good after two weeks, but we'll see what happens when these receivers get back in the lineup. At Joel underscore P, any chance Freeman sits week three and Gallman starts? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, with the COVID stuff, they have to take a little longer before they can get with the team after a free agent sign. So it's definitely possible. We might see Freeman sit out this week, but right now I'm expecting them all to play. And I don't really want any of these guys in my lineup. I mean, they're all just dart throws. You're going to grab them this week, throw them on your bench and see how it plays out. At MW Hamilton 82, dynasty value on Jamichael Hasty. We are going deep here. It is still very, very low to give you an idea. I'm in a very deep 28 man uh, roster uh, dynasty league, and I dropped him. You have to drop him. I mean, I know right now there's a chance you could grab him, throw him back on your bench, but it's just going to take so many injuries before he gets his shot there that I think there's better options to have right now. At Mr. Main Street, why is James Robinson? What is James Robinson's rest of season outlook when Armstead and Azigbo get healthy? Those guys are not touching him now. This is Robinson's backfield for the rest of the season, unless he gets hurt, of course, which we always have to factor in. At obvious underscore Austin, who would you rather have the rest of the season? Michael Thomas or Julio Jones in redraft, full PPR. A couple of injured guys here. I would go Julio. I think the hamstring injury is something that he can rebound from and get back out there. Whereas Michael Thomas. He's going to be out for another couple of weeks, I think. And then even when he comes back, we don't know what he's going to look like because of that injury. Uh, at NFD88, what do you project for Nick Chubb rest of the season? Hard to believe the game scripts will continue to be as positive as they were last week. I think Chubb's going to be fine. I mean, let's look at their schedule real quick here. They get Washington this week. Tough front, but they're seven-point favorites in that game. And then after that, they still have matchups against the Colts, the Bengals, the Raiders, the Texans the Jaguars, the Titans, the Giants, and the Jets. So there are definitely some winnable games, some games where you think they're going to stay close in those ones. So I have no worries about Chubb right now. At Kyle underscore photo underscore ATX, what can we expect from the 49ers backfield this week? Are we going to fire up Galladay this week if he's a full grow in practice? I spoke about Galladay earlier, so I would play him as a wide receiver too this week. Um, I do want to answer the 49ers part, though, because I think it's kind of interesting. I don't think Hasty is going to factor in very much if he gets promoted to the roster here. But looking at Jerick McKinnon, looking at uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., um, what I think is going to happen, and I had McKinnon as my top pickup this week just because we've seen him play very well so far this season, and now he's going to get a bigger opportunity, and Kyle Shanahan admitted that as well. But I don't think that he is going to be uh, a 20-carry, 20-touch uh, kind of guy what he's going to get is like 12 to 15 touches, but we've seen him produce on like three to five touches so far. So if he gets 12 to 15, that is more than enough for him to have a big game. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., though, we saw this already with him where he is going to come in and be the complimentary back. He's going to get more work than people maybe realize and potentially get that goal line work as well. That's what happened last season. So I think that Jeff Wilson Jr. is a sneaky start this week as a flex play, but McKinnon, to me, in half PPR, in full PPR, he's a wide, uh, he's a running back too, I should say, 
uh, this week, and I, I feel really good about him. Almost got confused with the wide receiver thing because he's catching so many balls out there. Uh, at Bro Name Thunder, on a week per week basis, do you prefer starting guys with a high volume or high efficiency when it comes to high end wide receivers? Say DJ Moore slash Amari Cooper type volume versus Lockett slash DK type efficiency. P.S. Great show with Dwayne McFarlane the other day. Make sure you get him on again <laughs> real quick. Well, thanks. Dwayne is the man. Absolutely love that guy. I feel like we could have talked for hours on and off the air. We did talk off the air even a little more before and after, but uh, yeah, Dwayne is just fantastic. And if you haven't already checked out that episode, I highly recommend going out and uh, listening to the last episode. Uh, for this question, it really depends. I mean, there's so much that goes into these decisions. Matchups play a big part, but it's also roster construction, right? What do you need out of that spot? Do you need that monster, monster game that you can get from, you know, a guy like uh, Lockett or a guy like Metcalf, or do you want something a little safer and getting the volume that those other guys might give you? I mean, not that Amari Cooper can't give you those big games too. Uh, he's definitely done it, but somebody like DJ Moore, who's not getting to the end zone as much, but he's still getting that big time volume. Um, so it really, there's a lot of factors that go into it. I mean, I would err on the side of volume if I had to pick between the two, but I don't think there's just a, a one size fits all answer for that one at FF last PI champ. Hey, Justin Boone, love your content. And I never miss a podcast or article. Appreciate that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Antonio Gibson's usage in Washington? And can he be used as an RB two slash three? I lost Barkley and Mostert last week and have a big hole in my RB slot. Thanks again for the great work. Yeah. Gibson can definitely be fired up as a top 25, top 30 guy. Um, it's obvious they're working him into a bigger role and it is crazy to see because it's a guy that really played receiver in college. And now he's learning running back on the fly in the NFL. That's how much skill he has. Uh, you know, they're doing a great job here, just easing him into it, but the competition in that backfield, there's not much. I'm not worried about JD McKissick or Peyton Barber, or even at this point, Bryce love, even though Bryce love might work in and eventually be the number two there. This is Gibson's backfield, um, and I would feel confident playing him this week. You know, you're not expecting RB1 numbers, but as that top 25, top 30 guy, he's a good plug-and-play there. That looks like that's it. We are out of time here, so that's the final question for today's show, but I appreciate everybody tuning in here. Remember, you can find all my fantasy content over at The Score, including my rankings there, start, sit, stash, quit, all of that stuff. If you have more questions, Come find me on Twitter at Justin Boone. I will also be doing the Twitter takeover on Sunday morning of the score's main account. That's at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. So you can come join me in there. Any last minute lineup decisions, come talk to me in there. We'll try to get your question answered. But until then, big thanks for all the questions today. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time